Merkel Media. You think that I'm running in place? Y'all really testing my patience. Right before I blow up the spot, I had to get back to the basics. What if my talent is wasted? You see what I'm lacking to place me? Since I rap in the basement But my come up is legend, is greatness I don't care now, it's pedal to the metal I can never quit now, I will never settle Puppet to the game, I'm pulling strings like Geppetto We in the same game, but I'm on a different level I passed it, gotta keep grinding till I'm laid up in the casket No fake round, but you feeling too plastic Yeah, y'all feeling too plastic They say my style crazy, but then it's straight jacket Whoa. Why you still testing my patience? Trying to turn me into something I ain't trying to be All the haters in heavy rotation You gon' lose yourself, quit testing me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Cause I'm looking like Wesley, test me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Run it back nation, what is good? It is I, DJ Eastwood, run it back Philly, no frauds, no fanboys, no intros. And we have with us the insider, the source of all Sixers, accurate, always 100% correct information and opinions. Sixers Greg, ladies and gentlemen. It's always an honor to be here, uh, DJ. But my question is, are they opinions if they're always 100% accurate? They are, in fact, facts. In fact, in fact. What a a day to be here, man. I feel like we haven't touched base in a long time. It's it's, it's only a matter of time. It's been, uh, like I said, it said a month. I feel like it was longer than a month. Um, (laughs) Everybody in here hit the like button. Do that for us, all right? And also, this episode of Run It Back Philly will be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any other podcast platform that you use to listen to podcasts so you can put your headphones in instead of listening to your wife or mow the grass or whatever you want to do. You can listen to me and Greg talk about all optimistic things Sixers-related. Oof. that That's what we're going in. We're going to be optimistic today? I can do that. I, I have to try or I would have quit watching this team a long time ago. Um, yeah, so it's been... Uh, was it before the season started that we uh, last had you on YouTube? It was. It was... I mean, I... For my personal channel, I think I may have dropped one during the season, but I don't... I don't I don't know, man. I think it's it's been before the season started. It was the last real time. Have you cared about the 76ers yet this year? Oh, no. I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> I've watched every game that I've, I can watch. And at work, I, I you know, still find a way to watch the games. But like, I have no expectations. This team's not going to do anything. So like, I'm just you know, minimizing everything. I think all the injuries is like, it's a little interesting because it, it, I mean, I think we, it was cool when Doc Rivers was going to be on his way out. And now that like we're winning, and people all of a sudden think Tobias Harris is good at basketball. <laughs> so it's I'm having a lot of fun watching our fan base like find little hopes of optimism when in reality that there is no real optimism. Yeah, it, you're. I think you're. Yeah, the the injury thing has is just delaying the inevitable. Uh, I definitely think that's what it is. As far as the coach is concerned, the injury thing is delaying the inevitable. Um, and speaking of that, I've I've recently I I didn't know they existed, but I've had Doc Rivers fans, Doc Rivers fanboys. That's a thing. That's a thing now. Uh, and just like the Ben Simmons ones, they don't come out until it's the right time. And so this they, they start the season out looking just god awful uh, after hyping it up the whole off season, and then we get the injuries. And we we beat the you know Orlando Magic twice and 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 a couple other teams, and uh, the Doc Rivers fanboys are popping up and it's blowing my mind because I've never seen this before and I can't think of a, a valid reason to defend him at all, especially somebody that's 
not, doesn't know him, or maybe maybe it, maybe it's his family, maybe it's his maybe it's his kids, maybe it's somebody, maybe somebody out there caught a stream or two of mine and absolutely hates me that's related to him or knows him or something like that. But I can't I can't figure it out. But I think you're right. The injury thing is just delaying the inevitable, uh, and that's you know that's frustrating. That's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, let's tank because obviously not with Embiid and Harden and giving up our foreseeable future to pair the two. But I mean, it's just the Sixers team is not good enough to compete. I mean, you look at teams like the Boston Celtics, the, the Milwaukee Bucks playing at the level that they're playing at, not so much Milwaukee, but more so, you know, Boston. That's what a complete team looks like. Jason Tatum has been taking steps every single season. He's taken another step this year when we thought he was capped out as a player last year. I just think it goes to show a lot about the the grittiness and and the you know off-season regiments that other guys are taking that it just don't see the Sixers players caring so much. I mean, that's why we love Tyrese Maxey so much because he is a guy like that who is just taking a leap every single season. He's a leap guy, but the Sixers historically have not had many guys like that. So it's just, it's frustrating, but it's also like we have to be real for a second and just completely admit that the Sixers are not a contender. We're not a contender. It doesn't matter if everyone is together right now. We're just not good enough. We're too old. We're not athletic, (laughs) you know, rebounding wise. We suck. We don't have enough two way players. We're a very one dimensional team. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. uh, I I think I finally started to do that this year. There there's, I told this story before when I started on YouTube, I had this fear that like if I was ultra negative, people wouldn't watch the show and they'd be like, oh, this guy hates his own team and whatever. And a lot of them did that and they still do it. But I but I've learned to just stand in the fire and say exactly what I think uh, through all the Ben Simmons stuff, all of the seasons that he was here, which felt like a hundred in a row. uh I would still kind of be like, listen, I think we can win even if this guy doesn't make any sense or whatever. But I was lying to myself the whole time. I really, really knew that I couldn't picture a basketball team winning an NBA championship with Ben Simmons as the point guard. And it all that all of that came came to fruition. But I saw last year that I, I can't see this team winning an NBA championship uh with Doc Rivers in charge. And then this, the beginning of this season, I start to see it's not just Doc Rivers, it's the the whole like roster. Really, we were supposed to have depth. Then at the beginning of the season, we look like we're not deep at all. Where the bench was worse than it was last year. Then the bench comes around because they start to get. This is a good question, actually, that I'm going to ask you. Then the bench comes around because they start to get playing time because everybody gets hurt, and then everybody's like, "Look, we are deep team. We do have bench players." So then I'm like, is it the roster or is it the fact that Doc Rivers with all the starters in a healthy squad couldn't figure out how much to play certain guys, which is also why I'm blaming him for everybody being injured. I mean, (laughs) it's a lot. Like, I think, first of all, a lot of Sixers fans are going crazy about us winning without Embiid, Harden, and Maxi. But like, look at the strength of the schedule. We've played the literal dog shit of the NBA. Tobias Harris didn't really play that great. He had quarters at a time where he looked good, but like even the night that he had 25 and whatever, and he was still the third best player on the court. DeAnthony Melton and Shake Milton, Milton especially, Shake, I should say, especially has been like very, very good, but it's not sustainable against good teams. And it's also just like, I love these guys. Like I like the bench shakes, probably my favorite player. He has been for a few years, but he's just not athletic enough to be like a sustainable, really good dude off the bench. And he's, you know, struggled with, you know, his health. If he can be able to shoot the way he's been shooting, I think he's going to solidify himself as a real guy. But like the problem is once all of these dudes come back, it's going to just revert back to the same shitty brand of basketball we've been playing with Embiid on the court that Doc Rivers loves to play and all of the fun ball movement, the fun grittiness that we've, you know, fallen in love with over the past week and a half is just, it's not going to be existing anymore. So it's like, it's just a very short window of happiness for a team that you know is not, it's not going to sustain that type of basketball. And even like, look, I get everyone hates PJ Tucker. Like I really get it, but I don't think he's the worst thing to ever happen to Philly. Like, I think he brings a lot of positives. He's been guarding the best player on the other team, like every single night, 
And I think that takes a lot out of him. Like, do I think his deal's fantastic? No, I think it's a shitty deal, but like, I don't think he's the big issue. Like, I still think the way Tobias Harris fits in with Embiid is atrocious. Like, and I hate the way the stars fit with each other and the fact that Harden can't stay healthy right now. And like, there's so much, there's so much wrong with this team that like, I don't even really know what the number one issue, if there was one to fix would be. So firing Doc Rivers does not fix the issues. Uh, is what you're saying. Because I, I think, because I think, I think, I think, I think I've seen, like just last year when I saw Dan Burke for four games, again, he got to, he got an 18-point game and an 11-point game back-to-back out of Isaiah Joe. He got production out of Charles Bassey. He got production out of deep bench guys that, for whatever reason, Glenn Rivers would never even give a shot to, and then those guys get released and they start producing off the bench for other teams, and, and we get to the position where we're like, hey, we don't have a backup center. Oh, we actually released one. For no reason, we actually released Isaiah Joe. These guys have value. We could have we could have traded them if anything. Uh, so I start to see like well, I haven't really gotten to see these players with a different person in charge, and I don't think I'm going to get to see that. The only time I got to see that was when Doc had COVID for a week, uh, and so I, yeah, I don't know if a different coach could get more. I think a different coach could definitely get more out of a lot of guys and a lot of different lineup combinations. Maybe everything would look totally different. A thousand percent. But I think, I think doc's biggest issue is teams bring him in when they expect to win championships. So doc is like, Oh, the way that I do that is by not playing anybody who's under the age of 46 years old (laughs) or good at basketball. So like, and solidified. So like he didn't play Paul Reed until, you know, we forced his hand to, he never played Isaiah Joe, who is good for him finding time and finding, you know, success in Oklahoma city. And he never played Charles Bassey, who is like, was a guy who I think everybody came out of college and was like, yeah, this dude's going to be something that we need. And we struggle having a backup five. And for some reason, doc refused to play it. But like, I just think doc thinks that's who he is. And so in that sense, the Sixers would be much better off by firing doc rivers. Like I hate doc rivers more than anything. And I think it's always a lot easier to blame him. And I would not give him credit for the the games that we've won recently. Like he's done nothing about it. Like his rotations (laughs) aren't bad because he only has nine guys available. Like what do we expect the dude to do? Like, but my thing is my thing with doc rivers is the fact that like Harden was getting like 38 minutes a night with Embiid getting 37 and Maxi getting like 37 and a half. Like no wonder these dudes go down and get hurt when all along we have these guys on the bench that can play basketball. And he just never seemed to like make any single adjustment. So like, yeah, I, I partially blame a lot of the injuries on doc rivers is, like fact that he's just running these dudes into the ground. But I also just blame the fact that Doc Rivers never gave a chance to any of these kids who are finally, you know, starting to play basketball. Right. Like and, we, had depth. And, we have depth. It's just, it's not great. Like our team isn't good. Good. Like I think Doc Rivers. I, okay. So what I'm saying is even if we put in like an elite NBA head coach, I still do not think the Sixers are good enough to win an NBA championship. No, not right now. Uh, I think it also has to do with their like what they what he preaches and what they practice, uh, like figuratively, but actually practice. You know, I brought it up yesterday or the day before in the George Niang interview on the JJ Reddick podcast. He made a joke about the Sixers and Doc Rivers practice. He he made a joke. He was like he was like, well, it's all it's all good now. We got we got Doc Rivers practice. And he was like, if you want to call it that. And JJ laughed and he was like, isn't it great having Doc? And he was like, yeah, it's all it's all rainbows over here. And I'm like, you guys are laughing about the fact that Doc Rivers doesn't ha- make people practice. And then other somebody was like, well, I don't really think any NBA players like practice practice that blah 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 or whatever. But I'm I'm like I'm pretty sure they were saying that because they were comparing it to being on other teams where. You have to practice harder. And then you come out. I mean, this makes perfect sense. And then you come out and you're the worst transition defense team in the league. You're the worst rebounding team in the league. All of these things are things that would happen if you don't have hard practices. Like, it's it's insane. And, I mean, Embiid comes in looking out of shape. They make up an excuse that nobody talked about in the middle of the summer or whenever it happened. I still don't believe that he had plantar fasciitis. Uh, 
so yeah, it's, it's not just his rotations. It's like a culture thing. Like, like I just, I'm over it, man. And I think the whole city's over it. Everyone that I talk to is over it. Everyone, like everyone that I talk to, I'm t- I talk to random people every day. I still bartend three days a week. Uh, and I, and I talk to random people every day, people that aren't even basketball heads. And usually the first thing that they say is, yeah, man, they got to get rid of doc, man. Like <laughs> it's like, it's like so generally known right now. Uh, and it was it was very close to happening. I was legitimately rooting against my own basketball team because I said, look, if we can just get smacked by 45 by the Brooklyn Nets in our own arena and the whole arena boos and it, it'll get really bad. And yeah, now now it's been delaying it. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of things wrong with with what Doc Rivers does and, and the people being uh, happy right now with the wins and expecting this to continue or expecting the guys to come back and Doc to do things differently. He's 62 years old. He's done things literally this way his entire coaching career. If if people actually looked at his coaching career everywhere he's been, he's done things this way. There's no reason whatsoever to think that he's randomly going to take a step back and say, no. oh, okay, I should play the starters maybe low 30 minutes and try to experiment and give the bench guys some time and, and figure out some lineups during the season. And then when the playoffs come around, I'll know what to do. We we witnessed it last year. He didn't do that the whole regular season. Playoffs came around. He had to panic play Paul Reed because everyone was yelling at him who he didn't play the whole season. It was insane, and we're going to see more insanity very soon. Uh, Monday night, to be exact. Yeah, I mean, but also aside of Doc Rivers, like the Sixers team just isn't athletic enough. Like transition defense, like the teams that are you know, parentally pretty good at that or Golden State are Memphis Grizzlies, um, teams who are athletic and just have guys who can run up and down the court. And the Sixers don't have any of them. Like we just don't have guys who are athletic and we don't have wings, especially who can run up and down the court. And like, as much as we hate the PJ Tucker signing, I think Daniel House is just the dumbest shit we've ever done. <laughs> Like I, I can't I really stand think, that signing, dude. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I can't stand that we lost a draft pick to sign Daniel House. I mean, he's so bad at basketball. Like he'll make one step back three a game, but he'll shoot seven of them. His defense is lackluster. The dude doesn't do anything on either side of the court that impresses me, or that was like, oh, thank God we have him, and we got rid of Isaiah Joe, or we got rid of X right. player. Like thank God that we signed Daniel House, a guy who's been doing it mediocrely for like eight years. Oh, thank God. I, then, I, I legitimately didn't know he was still in the NBA until they said they were signing Daniel House. I'm like, where's he been? I, I haven't heard his name since he played with James Harden in Houston. So frustrating. And we just have a, so many freaking guys, especially now as like Doc Rivers, like his big brained move this year coming into the season was, okay, let's switch everything on defense. And no wonder the first week of the season, we got absolutely dismantled. Because we don't have any switchable defenders. We have like four guys on the entire roster who can switch on defense. And yet Doc is like finally 2022 adjusting to what's been going on for the last six seasons in the NBA. It's like, okay, let's switch on defense. All right. Who the hell is anyone switching with? The only dude that like a big guy that can versatile switch is Paul Reed. And IQ wise, Paul Reed does not always make the right adjustment, but at least he's athletic enough to just like find his way and like save up for the ground that he missed and, you know, make up for the play. It's so frustrating, dude. I'm, I'm like, it's just, we like our system doesn't fit the players that we have. Doc Rivers has no idea who can do what on his team. And instead of like fixing a system around the guys that we have, he just continues to do what he thinks is right. But the thing is, nobody on this team can successfully do what he wants us to do. Yeah, yeah that's true. I can't, I can't disagree with any of that. Uh, Mr. Rudy Poo, thanks for the super chat, man. There is no offensive philosophy. We have too many guys who have no dunk packages equipped. Glenn is always the problem in every team he's been on. Yeah, you know, when you look at... Uh, when you look at guys like Daniel House again, like like he's not doing anything that Isaiah Joe uh, couldn't have done, uh, and you gave up things to get him. Um, and yeah, I, I watch. It's a combination of both because I watch other teams. I see uh, a player on the Atlanta Hawks drop nine points on us in the fourth quarter, and he's nineteen years old. He's nineteen years old, and that's the that's the tr- that's the 
that's the trajectory of the NBA right now. That's the way the NBA is going, is trending younger. You know, other countries have been playing, uh, you know, Slovenia or wherever uh, uh, Luca played professionally when he was 16. Like, that's the way it's trending. It's a young man's game. There's a reason there's a 40 and over league at the YMCA because if they play with the 18-year-olds, they're going to get ran out of the gym. We know that. The young kids can ball, and other teams are doing it. The NBA as a whole is trending in that direction. And we have a guy who the last time he dribbled a basketball, there wasn't a three-point line on the court. Like it's just it, he's trending in the opposite direction and he's just so old and stubborn. It's it's just it doesn't make sense to me. And uh, you know, I I don't I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna I don't know how it's gonna play out. But I want to ask you, uh, because they got smacked by the Cavaliers, and you talked about how you know it was the gener uh the generous schedule that we've had with these injuries and all this stuff. And I, I was saying it, you know, I know I'm the negative guy. I know the people that want to, you know, pick up their pom poms and 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 kiss their poster on the wall. They don't want to hear it. But when we were beating those teams, I'm not going to celebrate beating the Orlando Magic by 30 points uh with Tobias Harris. Like, to- yeah, Tobias Harris should drop 25 on the Orlando Magic. I thought Shake Milton played great. I thought DeAnthony Melton stepped up. We shot a ridiculous percentage. And I, if you watch basketball long enough, you know, first of all, you're not going to sustain that shooting percentage. And these bench players are not going to play like superstars. They're going yeah. to eventually play like bench players. And I said, watch what happens when we play a team that can actually play defense. And everybody told me that Cavaliers game doesn't matter because they shot 80% from the floor and 99% from three. But I was watching the other end of the floor the Sixers could not do anything against them because they have athletes, they communicate, they play great perimeter defense, they switch, they were bringing doubles to Embiid, left, right, underneath, flashes, like decoy doubles. Is that even a thing? There were so many different looks. Yeah. And I was like, that's what I'm saying. This team is going to get smacked by teams like that. And they got ran out of the building. And, you know, because it was a 45-point blowout or whatever, I was supposed to treat it as like it didn't matter. But it was a, it was that blowout because of what happened in the first quarter. Uh, and it was it was awful. And yeah, I, 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 mean, fear that, I fear that the same thing's going to happen, you know, when we play the Boston Celtics. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, we can be upper echelon of the, of the middle of the pack if you want to. But the goal is to be able to beat those teams. I think the frustrating part to me is that when the playoffs come around, mostly everything we saying or we say right now is like it kind of goes out the window because the game changes a bit. Like it becomes more fourth quarter isolation heavy and it becomes more like constricted minutes for the the top guys and the the rosters are, you know, they're cut in half when it comes to like sharing minutes to guys. And I I genuinely believe that the Sixers have enough like top talent to be good in the playoffs but I just I, I don't know maybe it just doesn't fit like maybe like and which sucks because I think Harden and Embiid this is another gripe I have with Doc but like I think their pick and roll has the chance to be like super legit like I, like, I think it is like it like it statistically is very good and I just think we don't run it enough and I think that like I, I think it could be really, really, really good, and especially in the playoffs. And I think that like Embiid is good enough in the playoffs to you know win us games and carry us a little bit. It'll just come down to like just filling out the rest. But I just don't think the fits there, and that's what makes me feel so weird about the Sixers team because like you know ninety percent of me is like this team's not good enough. Like this team just simply is not good enough. Everything around it isn't, you know, good enough. The coach sucks, everything, blah, blah, blah. But also 10% of me is like, I I still think we're a better contender than the Cavaliers, which is crazy because the Cavs work. Like they they're in unison together. They all bought into the system and they all play really well together. But I just don't think they have a guy. Like I don't think Donovan Mitchell is a that playoff guy outside of that one series he had against Jamal Murray. I think it was the bubble, but like, I, I don't know, man. I just, uh, oh man, I, I, I just wish that the Sixers could do something. And I think it's going to start off by just like revamping the lineup and trading Tobias Harris more than anything in the world. So Tobias Harris must be traded at the trade deadline is, is what you're saying. Yeah. If Tobias Harris is here after the trade deadline, we can all just turn off our TVs, 
boycott <laughs> the season because the season's over. I had a conspiracy that uh, in that Cavs game, he started the game 0 for 7. He was getting completely manhandled and punked on the offensive side of the ball. He couldn't get in the lane. He couldn't do anything he wanted because he couldn't single out some nobody G League player on the Orlando Magic to back him down for 20 seconds. He was playing legitimate talent. He was playing legitimate athletes. He couldn't get in the lane. He couldn't put up a, his weak little floating layup. Wasn't even getting to the backboard. They were smacking it out of bounds and, and basically laughing at him. Uh, I had a, a conspiracy that he went out at halftime and they said he they said he was sick. I've never seen a player look fully healthy on the court and just stink it up for two quarters and then say he's sick. He's not coming back. What? So I think, and I I was kind of joking when I said it, but I'm starting to think it might be true. I think Daryl was like, get him out of the game. I got a couple trades lined up. I'm working on some things. He he showed some great things in the last couple games. This can happen. Get him out of the game. Dude, I promise you Daryl Morey's not going to sit on his ass and this team stay the same if we continue to be how bad we've been. Like, I, dude, if anything, he's going to just blow this I, shit up. I feel like he sat on his ass a little bit this offseason. I know he signed a couple of guys, but like we were looking at, I mean, he sat, yeah, on his, but, he sat on his ass on the Ben Simmons thing forever because he wanted James so bad. Yeah, but that's a totally different situation. Like, I, I think he he's on the hot seat as much as anybody I think can be at this point. Like, this is his big experiment. He's got to make sure this shit works because if it doesn't, like what? What is the incentive of keeping him? You know what I mean. I just think that Tobias Harris, like, dude, his issues have been the same since the moment he came in here. He's too slow to play the small forward position because he's going to get outran, and he's just not good enough defensively to, to be laterally lateral quick enough to like stop people. So he's too slow to play the three, but then he's also too small and too big of a bitch to play the four. <laughs> like this man thinks he's a post player, but he gets absolutely bullied by dudes at the four and he can't play defense against power forward. So like, what is he? What is he? He's like the worst kind of in-betweener ever. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he, he's I a, really hate him. Yeah, he's a player that can average 20 points per game on the Detroit Pistons when they're really bad or the LA Clippers when they're, you know, when they're not that good. Uh, the, the Clippers was before... I forget when he was on the Clippers or what their team looked like, but they weren't good at the time, were they? Um, uh, he, no, he was the best player uh, at the time. He was the best player on the team. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, like, there there was guys in the Sixers process era that almost averaged 20 points per game. Does that mean anything? So, you know, that's just such a thing. Look, he averaged 20 points per game and blah, blah, Like, bro, there's there's guys that 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 you would never speak of in, in a, a superstar, all-star level that, that averaged 20 points a game on a bad team. So, yeah, right. But it's also like during his time with the Clippers, they were like a, a heavy PNR team. Like they ran a ton of pick and rolls, and the Sixers, for some god awful reason, don't have pick and roll offense here now. Yeah, I don't understand the pick and roll thing, Mister Rudy. Thanks again, man. Joe said that they don't run pick and rolls when teams are switching or in zone. I'm like, that is such a bad excuse. It's been equally effective in all covers. It, the zone is is tough. For the Sixers, I guess, to run pick and rolls. I mean, you really just have to find your spots in a zone and, like, you know, try to do things from different angles and things like that and make guys move. Obviously, that's what a zone is. But uh, when they're switching, I, I feel like, yeah, it might not be a pick and roll when they're switching, but you can get very easy mismatches when teams are switching if you're running ball screens with Embiid and Harden. Uh, and also, like, if we want to run one off ball screen, I don't think in the last three years I've seen one off ball screen it, not it's, one. it's like it's like one of those things that i see in the very beginning of the game i see it like the first couple possessions which tells me that doc called a play the day before you know and said here's what we're going to do against this team and they did it they do it one time you'll see something crazy you'll see you'll see like matisse Thibel back screen tobias come around a, or, or maxi come around a double screen tobias flash on, like you'll see all kinds of action and then it's gone for the rest of the game and it's been like that yeah. for a couple years with doc yeah, I, I don't think we run enough pick and rolls in the low post for Joel Embiid, especially because I think like giving his man the pick and Embiid immediately getting a mismatch that far down into the paint, like the the defense, it's too late for the defense to react. I don't, I just don't think we move like our offense. We no one moves. We don't move. No one moves. 
We just there's no ball movement. Nobody moves off ball. Nobody sets screens off ball. No one like runs and tries to cut. The only dude that tries to cut is Matisse Eibel, and he has the finishing skills of like a backup point guard in freshman basketball. We just I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron Cabbage, what's up, man? I haven't seen you in a minute. Uh, uh, I think you've been you've been probably not tuning into the Sixers like most of the fan base. <laughs> I, I compared it to the Phillies uh, with me. Uh, when I was talking about it earlier, I said uh, it's like when Bryce Harper broke his thumb or whatever and was out for a month. I stopped watching the Phillies. That's because I'm a fair weather Phillies fan. I'm not going <laughs> to watch. I, I just am. I'm not going to watch baseball if if that guy's not not in the lineup. Uh, and there's a lot of people that, you know, there's at least half of the fan base, the mainstream fan base. I don't know what to label it, but there's a shit ton of people that Harden goes down, Maxi goes down and they're like, yeah, I'm not watching. Let me know when they come back. You know what I mean? So the the viewership is down. The numbers are down. Nobody gives a shit right now. It's tough. It's tough for us. It's, uh, it's tough for me. It's tough for RB. It's tough for a couple of guys to try to cover this team, knowing that, like, who actually cares uh, right now until those guys come back. But uh, Aaron says Donovan Mitchell is 100% that guy in the 2021 playoffs the year after the bubble. He averaged 32 on 44.7, 43.5, 82.9 splits on 11. And yeah, look, I, I think I think the Cavs are very scary. And I think the addition of Donovan Mitchell puts them maybe over the top. Probably not this year because it's it's t- it's their first year, you know, totally together. I could see this Cavs team. Uh man, when they get Jared Allen back too, are you serious? Bro, I could see yeah, this. Cavs- huge. Their defense is gonna be elite again. I could see this Cavs team winning something in the next three, four, five seasons if they if they can, you know, keep it all together and, and work on things and pay everybody and things like that. I definitely can. I, I I'm a big Donovan Mitchell fan. I have been for a long time. Darius Garland, bro. Darius Garland is amazing. Just just imagine if we got Garland or Tyrese Halliburton, we would not be struggling right now. Well, were the Cavs off I don't think they were offering Garland. They knew he was a stud from day one. I don't think he would have ever been on on an offer sheet for for Ben? Nah. Dude, you mean all-star Ben Simmons? Nah, he would, he would have never been on the offer sheet. Darius Garland's a... Uh, he was toying with us, man. He was throwing passes behind his back, behind his head, throwing no-look alley-oops and dancing off the court. He was playing like he was at the park on a Sunday afternoon. It was embarrassing. The beauty of playing against the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> but, you know, we don't have our guys at all. Um, if we look at like the playoffs last year, if Embiid doesn't break his face, you know, I think that I think this team looks terrible right now, but I have to put it, I have to look at it this way too. If Embiid doesn't get hurt right there, we take that Miami series. Uh, and this team is supposed to be better than that team was. This team is supposed to be deeper than that team was. Uh, I was pretty much blinded by the Montrez Harrell signing. I, I thought. He was going to bring a dog mentality, but uh, you know, Romp was a, a thousand percent right about Montrez Harrell in today's NBA. He he just gets ran yeah. off the court. He can't he can't guard anybody, and it's it's a layup drill. So that's out the window. So the only real dog that we signed is thirty eight year old PJ Tucker, and you know, it, it, it's like did we what did we do? I love the Anthony Melton, but I guess that's really it for the all season signings and and how yeah, we changed but like, I, last year. It, if you look back, though, like there were a lot of analysts, Eric Lowe, um, a lot of people who were saying that um, the Sixers did enough and the Sixers had a good offseason. Like they, they just filled out the margins. Uh, I did. I I thought. Michael Wilbon. Did you hear Michael Wilbon on TNT pregame that uh, last week? Before no. the I wanted to throw up this guy. Well, first of all, they bring him on and you can tell he doesn't watch basketball. He He's Michael no. Wilbon. He's like almost 70. He golfs and he goes to sleep. Uh, and he tries to he tries to hop on and talk about the NBA, and he was like, "This the Philadelphia 76ers definitely have championship uh, material." He's like, "They got the role players, they have the coach, they got the superstars, they got everything." And I was like, "What is this guy smoking, bro? This team does not look like a championship level team at all." Anyway, no. that that made me think of that when you said uh, random oh, names. That's gross. No, I mean, I dude, I I sat here. And was like, yo, the Sixers won the margins, bro. We had a great <laughs> offseason. We added grittiness. We love it. And I thought that 
the grittiness that PJ Tucker still does bring to the court would translate over and become contagious. And boy, was I wrong because no one else gives a shit. No one. Um. So, uh, but realistically, like we get we get Embiid back. Uh, he's at an MVP level. He stopped trying halfway through the first quarter of the other the other night's game. Uh, just I don't. He just. I mean, once I saw Darius Garland do a finger roll right in front of his face and he didn't jump, I was like, all right. For whatever reason, Joel doesn't care about this game, just like everyone else doesn't care about this game. Uh, but you get Maxi back. You get Harden back. I know we've been saying if everyone's healthy for like. A long time, but if everyone's healthy, they should be able to compete even with Doc because in the playoffs you run he's running an eight man rotation anyway. If right. you have a you have a strong starting lineup, I, I don't know about PJ Tucker and Tobias Harris playing both in a starting lineup. That's uh, that that's two two power forwards on the floor together. But I think you should have enough talent to compete. Like, are you happen. saying com- compete for like a Eastern Conference Finals? I think, it, well, my fear is that they do actually have enough talent to get to the Eastern Conference Finals because then that'll be another, you know, reason for, for another year of Glenn. Uh, well, he got you to the Eastern Conference Finals after all the things they went through. Uh, but like on paper, you know, they, they should have enough uh, to compete. And it's... it. The Harden, I look at the four games that he first played with the Sixers, man, and they were just like, it looked like, oh my God, this Embiid Harden thing is is going to be unstoppable. And that went downhill last season, but Harden came back this year. He he looked a lot better and then, you know, rolled his foot or ankle or whatever it was. Uh, but I think if they're all healthy, the roster's good enough. I really think the roster is good enough, man. I think it's the decision maker that I don't trust. Yeah, no, I mean, like if you look at on paper and you put our roster up against Boston, Milwaukee, like we are no that we're not that much worse if we are worse like at all. You know what I mean? Like we should be just as good. We have three guys who are all-star level players and then Tobias Harris who can pretend to be once every 38 games against a team that has six wins. But like we have no cohesion. There is no cohesion with the, there's no flow. There is no like togetherness. Like none of the guys play together. It's all isolation basketball. And even like I love Joel Embiid. I think he's fantastic. I think he's the best player to have ever played in the city of Philadelphia in my lifetime. But like I just don't really know how reliable uh isolation big man basketball is in the playoffs. You know what I mean? In your lifetime. How old were you in two thousand one? Six. Okay. So you, all right, that that makes sense. Okay, because I still I, think is Embiid not better than I? Th- I think Embiid's better than Allen Iverson when it comes down to like what he did for the team. No, not at all. But it was a different era. I just think like and Joel Embiid is like he's he's really 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 ridiculous when he wants to this be. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. Let's this is good. Let's make this a topic. Let's make this a topic. <laughs> This is good. Let's Look make this that. a topic. Yeah, we're right jumping now. into topics. Let's make this a topic right now because this is good. Uh, and I guess I want to give my opinion on that. Who do I think is better? I think the two best. Eh, I mean, I, I don't, obviously I wasn't watching basketball in the seventies, but you, you know, Dr. J and, and Moses Malone and those guys were were running the NBA for a couple years, and they won it in eighty three. Uh, then they drafted Charles Barkley once those guys started to fizzle out. They never put anything around him and traded him. They never put anything around Iverson. Uh, but who's the three best of all time is Iverson, Joel Embiid, and Dr. J, I think. I think a lot of people would agree with that. The old heads, yeah. the old heads hate Joel Embiid. They would say, no, it's like they would say a whole bunch of names, Andrew, Tony, and everyone else. Uh, <laughs> but who's better? The Sixers had Larry Brown. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that has a lot to do with how far that 2001 team went because they they didn't have an overpowering roster. They had Allen Iverson and a bunch of role players, but they knew exactly how to make that work. And Iverson was coming off 
end around double screens left and right, like more than Steph Curry does. Like every single possession, this guy was running from the right side of the court all the way around under the basket, around three or four screens to the other side. It was like they exploited the hell out of it, and he never, ever, ever stopped moving. Um, if the Sixers had someone that I think could take more advantage of the players' strengths like that, then I think Joel Embiid could do with this roster what Iverson did with that roster, probably. So, talent-wise, who do I want to build a team around if I was building a team? Yeah. No, I got to take Iverson. I just, uh, I don't, I also don't see the fight every single night from Joel Embiid like I did from Iverson. And- exactly. That's the big difference maker, I think, for the two. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I wasn't really old enough to really firmly remember prime AI. Like, I remember AI, but it was more of like the aftermath. But it's the fight, man. It's the fight. Embiid just doesn't have that, I don't think. I do, but I mean, I think when it comes to talent-wise and like overall player, I don't, I don't think it's relatively close. I think Embiid's the greatest sixer of all time. We, we could... uh we could play devil's advocate with that, though, because, you know, Joel, I think, tries to be in as big as he is, and he tries to low manage himself at the same time. You know what I mean? When you're Iverson, yes. was, Iverson was realistically 5'11, 160 pounds. Uh, and he just, he was injury. He got a lot of ticky tack injuries, wrists and sprained ankles and things like that. But he, there was no load managing back then anyway. Uh, but being, Seven to two eighty. Yeah, Joel takes plays off and takes quarters off to try to make sure he has the energy for the fourth quarter. So that's really contextual, also when you compare the two. Um, but uh, just Iverson, man, it, Monday night against the against the Charlotte Hornets, he was going a thousand percent every single play. It didn't never mattered. He was never backing down. They 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 had to hide. He had a sprained wrist. They had to hide his jersey. So he could, they hit his jersey so he couldn't play because he said, I'm playing. I'm fine. And they were like, you're not playing. They hit his jersey. He found the jersey. They hit his <laughs> shoes. They hit his shoes. He sent an assistant down the street to Foot Locker to buy him new shoes <laughs> to play that night. Yeah, he was, he was insane. But hey, we, we, at least we have a talent like Joel Embiid, who is the, at least the greatest talent since Allen Iverson. So it feels good after a lot of years of not having yeah. a superstar. And like it's that's what makes these conversations so difficult to have about this team because like we have a guy who is a top six guy in the NBA and the only way you win in the NBA is by having a top six guy. So like we're we should be right there. You know what I mean? Like we should be right there and Harden like when he is healthy and playing, I still believe he's like a top 20, 25 guy. Like the Sixers, dude, we're right there. That's what makes this also frustrating because I just feel like, you know, at a point we're just throwing away Embiid's prime, which is just like Damian Lillard in Portland. And I'm like, God damn it, dude. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, Bernard Winkletoe says Doc would have been perfect coach for Iverson. They would have never practiced and played AI 38 minutes a night. You're at, you're, yeah. you're hundred percent right. If Doc was the coach of Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson, first of all, wouldn't have, wouldn't have ended up as great as he ended up because he didn't necessarily have the work ethic. Larry Brown was always on this dude. Larry Brown did not care who you thought you were. If you were a star, if you had a Reebok commercial with Jada Kiss, if you, he did not care. Iverson came back from injury one time and came off the bench and he was pissed off about it. And he said it in a post game interview. He was mad. He said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a superstar. I'm coming off. The, I'm supposed to be coming off the bench. He was like, I'm not coming off the bench. He was mad about it. Larry Brown said, you're coming off the bench. You, we don't have that kind of coach. We don't have a guy that's going to do that to people. I wish we had that coach because he would have benched Ben Simmons two weeks into his Sixers tenure. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, uh, moving on from that. Um, what do you like? So this is going nowhere. Doc Rivers is eventually going to get fired. Tobias Harris has to be traded. We're basically, it's the reason people lost interest in this team so far this season because we're saying the same things we were saying in the offseason. <laughs> Nothing... We're doing another season with the same thing. So people are now bored and they're like, fuck this, I'm not watching. Uh, what happens then at the end of this season if the Sixers get bounced in the second round? Do you, I mean, what happens? Like, realistically, what happens? Because Doc still has two years on a contract at $25 million a year. 
also. No, I mean, they'll find a scapegoat. The scapegoat will probably be Doc Rivers. Like, it's probably going to be Doc. He's probably gone if the Sixers do what they've done for the past couple of years. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're going to be there this playoff run. But, like, say this happens again next year. How many more years is Embiid going to take until he's like, just get me out of here? I really, I'm starting to get to the point where part of me is like, you never, you never give up. You always continue to try to build around Embiid. Uh, but you are capped out. You have no draft picks. You have no future outside of Tyrese Maxey, hopefully being great. And then a, a pick in 2029. Uh, so I'm getting to the point where I'm like, if this doesn't work, not this season. This season, I think if this doesn't work, Joel Embiid might request a trade anyway. But if this Maybe. doesn't work and then it doesn't work next season, I'm saying, listen, Joel's 29 at his size, being injury-riddled his whole career. If you can still get a haul for him at 29 with this whole process being a failure by then, I, w- I would do it. I would do it after next season. I would definitely pull the trigger. And look, they, they, the Jazz got... 17 first round picks for Rudy Gobert. I would I would like to think he would get a haul for Joel Embiid. But he's been so injury prone, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I'm right there with you kind of. Like I would find a I'm I'm not against blowing it up, but like I'm against like giving up if that makes sense because I I think like if the Sixers can come this close, like we are very very close. I really do believe that. And I, I feel like you need to know that you've exhausted every single like, situation and opportunity and possibility before you just give up on it. And I don't think Daryl Morey would be here if we decide to blow it up because he's not a blow it up type of guy. He's more of like a let's build it up type of guy. And I think we would have to just, there would have to be a lot of like, upheaval in this front office like we'll really have to just switch guys like and and get a whole bunch of new dudes in here like front office and it totally revamped and changed because like i don't know man i'm also not against it but i i don't know because we don't even have our own first round picks so like why would we trade everything like yeah we'll get other draft picks from other teams but like we'll still be the worst team in the nba a bottom five team in the nba and we won't even have our own picks so it's just like it's a lose-lose situation I think the Sixers are within the next three years probably going to either win a championship or blow everything up. Like after the next three years, I mean. But I just I don't know. Like was we we need these picks. Like we we gave everything for James Harden, and it's just it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think I'm kind of bored with with where the Sixers are right now. I guess. Uh, oh, super bored because they're not fun. They're not a fun <clears throat> team to watch. They don't look like they like playing with each other. Yeah, and I think the only real excitement is how good Tyrese Maxey is right now and how good he could potentially be. Yes. Uh, it's, it, there's no, like, you know, Joel Embiid, we know how good he is if he can stay healthy. So that's just, uh, we're just going to, if he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy. So that's kind of boring. Uh, right. Harden, he, yeah, he's, he, he looked better this season than he did last season, but he's not superstar level and he's not going to get to a superstar level and he's not going to you know so that's kind of boring I'm kind of bored um, so and Harden's not really like a sixer yeah it, not like, you know yeah. what I mean like we like we yeah James Harden but like he's not really one of our guys like he still isn't really it just doesn't feel like he's like one of our guys yet yeah I, I guess so yeah I guess so like Tyrese just, is a homegrown kid and beats homegrown. Like these dudes are like dudes we want to see succeed and win. Like I don't give a shit about James Harden. I just give a shit about the Sixers. So like by proxy, I have to give a shit about James Harden. <laughs> Cue the six man. Bro, this guy always has I love your comments all the time, man. He always keeps it a buck in the chat. Another season of delusion until the inevitable collapse in trades. <laughs> the facts, dude. He knows what he's talking about. There you um, go. Look, 
man, we're so, I, I can't help but be negative. If people say, and you're especially so- when we sign Tyrese to this Uber max deal that we're going to have to sign him to, because look what Jordan Poole got. So it's like, what the hell are we doing, man? Yeah, you, you have to. Um, people say we should have gotten Halliburton and Halliburton looks, looks great right now. Um, Daryl Morey did not know who Halliburton was on the radio interview. <laughs> he said, yeah, they, they you know, the Sixers fan just want me to trade Ben for, you know, a bunch of random players. And I think he was referring to the Sacramento Kings, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald package. And, and I'm like, is did he just call Tyrese Halliburton a random player? Um, yeah, that's a 22 year old point guard that's playing at an all star level right now. Uh, that would be nice to have. And that would give us. That would be exciting, you know, because he's that young. So you could be like, hey, if it doesn't work, look, we got this for the next blah, blah, blah. But this is, I guess it's like an anxious feeling because it has to happen. It has, this has to work like now-ish. Exactly. Uh, or work. That's or, the thing. Like, instead of possibly having like a six, seven year window, Daryl Morey opted for like a little bit higher of a percentage chance of winning a championship in a three year window. So like, I get it. I understand why he did it, you know, and it's so much easier in retrospect saying we should have went out and got Tyrese Halliburton because he just put up the first 60.40 assists, no turnover stretch since Steve Nash's MVP season. Like, I get it. And he leads the NBA in assists per game. He's awesome, dude. We all loved him. You know, Romp was a big Tyrese Halliburton guy, but it's so much easier to say it now, given no, like what we know, you know, but Mr. I, think, I think the move should have been, or even if it wasn't Tyrese Halliburton or whoever, I think the move was trading Ben Simmons for multiple pieces, one with a little bit of a high upside type of guy, rather than trading Ben Simmons along with our best shooter and just like draft picks, like unprotected draft picks for a guy yeah. who just yeah. isn't what he used to be, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, we we were we were one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA, uh, and I think we were at one point the best rebounding team in the NBA when we had Andre Drummond backing up Joel Embiid. Because the, right. I mean, come on, you got a guy for fifteen minutes a game that's just coming in, getting every single rebound that even comes off the glass. He was he was he was having like twelve, thirteen rebound games in fifteen minutes. It was nonsense. And a couple of games that he filled in for Embiid, he had twenty four points and twenty two rebounds. He was insane. Uh, rebounding and yeah, I mean Seth Curry's a sniper and combo guard off the bench. The other night he dropped twenty nine off the bench for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, yeah. and we, we we don't have a sniper like that coming off the bench. There's no there's no uh, Joe Harris. There's no uh, you know name any other uh bench three point shooter that's a threat to get hot and really heat it up for like- three. Um, well, our three point shooting isn't really that bad, though. Like, I don't really think that's a problem for the Sixers. Like, I think we're pretty decent from three, for the yeah. most part. Yeah, we, we just don't been. have any athletes. We don't like, have Nian, any athletes at all. No, like Nian can shoot the three, but the man can't do anything else. But why? Why would we go this whole offseason without targeting young athletes? Again, that's the trend of the of the new NBA. You know, the- that's why I liked the Melton pickup so much because he is that. And like, dude, we like we love Melton. Melton's been good. Like he is a bit of a shot chucker at times, but like I think he's been a great addition for this team. We just need a, more of that. We need taller the Anthony Melton's because like Melton's like six one, six two. Like right. there's just not so much you can do with a dude that small. Like we need to go out and get like six seven the Anthony Melton's. Yeah, and it seems like every other team gets them all the time. Like oh, like guys guys named Okongwu. You know, I feel like every team has an Okongwu off of their bench. It's gonna that's gonna almost dunk from the free throw line. On a fast break, like I just see so many, right. I see so many insane athletes, uh, and here we are with Matisse Thibel, who is an insane athlete, but just just can't figure out the simplest things. He's on a fast break uh, with I think Karis Levert, not even in front of him, but off to the side, and he tries to do an up and under reverse layup and yeah. misses it. And I'm like, bro, dunk the ball! What are you doing? Matisse is like mentally unhinged. It's so much fun to watch because you have no idea. He's like <laughs> the Joker. If the Joker was in the NBA, he would be Matisse Thybul because you have literally no idea what you're going to get. It's just chaos. <laughs> it's just utter chaos watching that dude try and play back. I'm like, dude, you're in the NBA, and I think you know nothing. Yeah, or like he knows everything, but he's just like in his head about every single move. 
that he needs to make or something. I don't know. It's just like I think watching a kid with training wheels on. There's a lot of instinctual things in basketball, or maybe not instinctual, but things that you learned at a very young age. I feel like Matisse Thibel, I don't know. I never read his whole like upbringing, but I feel like he might have been like a football player until he was 19. Well, he has this story. His vlog, I don't know if you've ever seen his vlogs, um, his like Olympic vlogs. They're actually pretty cool. He's a great YouTuber. The dude should stick to doing YouTube. But um, his. Probably make more money t- in the NBA, but. Yeah. Nah, man, his vlogs are pretty solid. But uh, he, he, he talks about how like in high school, and even like in the beginning of college, he would struggle. No, it was in high school. He would struggle doing fat. He, he would always get fast break steals, but then he would miss every single layup because he didn't know how to do layups until he got to like being tall enough to dunk. He was like, when I finally got tall enough to dunk, like it, I, I finally became better because like I couldn't do like I couldn't make a layup. He still can't I, make I a layup. I have to find the clip for you, dude, and not send it to you because it's when I watched that, I was like, holy shit, so much makes sense right now. What in the world? But he never actually learned how to do a layup. Yeah. No, he was like, he used to get like stage fright where like he would air ball layups on fast breaks. Yeah. He, he gets stage fright now. Like I said, Karis Levert wasn't even in front of him. He thinks I got to do this thing because there's this defender here, bro. Just dunk on his face. What? Yeah. When are we yeah. going to get one of these players that can just do something like that? I think the Sixers are boring too because. We don't have those kind of players. At least when, at least when, when teams are bad, there's an athlete that'll make like a highlight play. I don't see highlight plays with this team recently. No. Joel Embiid, yeah, he dominates uh, when he wants to dominate. But yeah, there's not a highlight play. No, we don't have any like the Sports Center still do top ten. Have we had a Sports Center top ten play with the Sixers in, <laughs> in like three years? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't watched Sports Center in three years. So yeah, I um, either. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't have any athletes, dude. There's no athletes. We have nothing. All right. So like the, uh, the, the cool little plays we have are James Harden step back threes that he like shimmies and then misses it off the side of the backboard. <laughs> uh, so James is coming back apparently on Monday against the uh, Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets. Yeah, he goes back to Houston to play his. He old didn't want to miss those parties. Ground. He was like, "I'm healthy. I'm cool. Let's let's go to the clubs in Houston. I'm I'll be there, dude." You know they're ready. The girl, the bottle service girls, they got the James Harden sign ready with the sparklers. Oh he's Welcome gonna, back. He's gonna walk in with the Versace suit on, something weird, some Kanye looking boots on. Little um, baby's gonna be there with like a briefcase with like forty eight <laughs> million dollars. <laughs> Definitely, he's gonna give him a a, a million dollar bracelet for no reason just for coming yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you know he's he's he wants to play in Houston because he he wants to, the Houston nightlife. Um, but what do you realistically expect? Is it is it going to look the same minutes wise? Like, is hard? Do you think Harden's going to start out on like a twenty five minutes a game after coming off of a strained foot tendon? I mean, I, I think I think like twenty five to thirty. Dude, if if Doc Rivers plays Harden like thirty six minutes, I will personally <laughs> fly down to Houston. <laughs> I will fly down to Houston and I will fuck up Seth Steph Curry's brother-in-law or husband-in-law, whatever the fuck. So Seth Curry's whatever. So this could be a silver lining because this could be forcing Doc Rivers to to get creative and still keep some of the minutes high with guys like Shake Milton who've been playing well and D'Anthony Melton and guys. So this could maybe, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks especially a, a really old dog, but you know, maybe this could show Doc Rivers, hey, look, I can implement different lineups. I can stagger guys and I can play James 30 minutes, 29 minutes, and I have other basketball players that can contribute. Uh, do you think that's possible? I love your optimism, but you <laughs> just, just stop. <laughs> like, it's I actually, sim- it's as simple as you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like, yeah, in hindsight, this is like, like super great possibilities. Like maybe he can learn a lot about the guys. Maybe Shake Milton can finally start to solidify some minutes and like the team can be deeper and Shake can finally be that six man of the year type of guy. And then eventually when Maxi comes back, like the whole team's firing and clicking on all cylinders, but none of it matters, dude. None of this matters. <laughs> I had to like, I firmly believe to stop believing until I am proven otherwise. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think you're going to be proven otherwise here. I didn't believe that. No. I, I didn't believe that uh, Jalen Hurts could become a, uh, a top five pocket passer in the NFL. Uh, and I Dude, was, I was uh, all on board the Hurts train from day one. One of the few things in football that I've just genuinely <laughs> nailed, and I'm. I loved him. I loved him as a as a pl- a person, a player, an athlete. All those things. He's I just didn't dog. see. I didn't see He's the. A- I didn't see the 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 throwing talent. And he completely changed mechanics. He did a lot of things in one off season, and I was like, "Wow, he proved me wrong." That's not going to happen with this Sixers team. Nothing's going to happen that's going to prove you wrong. No. Uh, Football is a little different too, especially again as a quarterback, and he's that young, and like he just he just the thing with hurts for me like even when he wasn't very good he just cared so much like i could just tell he had that leadership quality in him and he was just such a dog and i just believe that like those are the guys who were like Tyrese Maxey who just care so much and they're in the gym like 24/7 that like it's only a matter of time until they just become great all right so speaking of that there was a Keith Pompey article where uh i reacted to it I read it. I read it uh, and did a live reaction. I couldn't believe the things that I was reading. Um, it was it was really weird. He said James Harden and Joel Embiid don't fit on the court. Uh, but the craziest thing was he said Doc Rivers developed Tyrese Maxey into a star level player. How do you feel about that? That's an interesting interesting person to say who developed who. Like the only, do you know who developed Tyrese Maxey into the star that he is? Yeah, Tyrese Maxey. Ben Simmons. <laughs> ben Simmons. Because that man was out of the game. He just <laughs> gave up on the sport. And then Doc was like, well, the only other point guard I have on my team is Tyrese Maxey. I guess I have to play this kid. And then he went up there and was killing it. So if Ben uh, continued to at least play basketball for the Sixers and give like visible physical effort on the court, not shooting the ball, but but try hard and play hard. Uh, and it, it wouldn't have worked with him as a point guard because he's not a point guard. At least the Brooklyn Nets have realized that much that, that, that the Sixers organization couldn't realize. But if Ben was here and playing, Tyrese Maxey would not be what he is right now. Bingo. Not even close. Because he of would... Doc Rivers. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Because he would have never had the opportunity to even notice how good he was. And then he would have played him as a backup point guard at best for like 12 minutes a game. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I remind people all the time some of the crazy things that he did. Um, one of the craziest was that playoff series where we were, we were again, we're, ser- we're searching for point guards because Ben's not one. I've seen this for a couple years now. But Brett Brown had to start TJ McConnell when we were getting swept by the, by the Celtics, and that's the only game in the series that we won because you needed a point guard. Even if it's only TJ McConnell, at least you have a point guard. So that Atlanta series, Doc's searching for a point guard. He plays, he plays uh, Shake Milton in the game that I was at. It was game two, I think. Uh, and he carried us in like the third and sparked a run. And he played Tyrese Maxey in game six in that same kind of role off the bench. And he sparked a run and we force a game seven. And in game seven, you can't make this up. He played George Hill, all of the backup point guard minutes. It's insanity. That stuff is insane. And people don't understand how insane that is. That decision alone is a fireable offense. The George Hill didn't even have a role on this team. He didn't even know where he was supposed to be. Probably didn't even have a locker. And he played him at all the backup point guard minutes in Game Seven. I couldn't believe it. Uh, and and I told people, listen, we've had we've had a couple months off. Um, you know, that was two years ago. That wasn't even you know he had a, that was his that was his first year here. Obviously, they're not going to fire him year one. What happened last year happened last year. Uh, and I told people, listen, we had a couple months off, but you guys are acting like you forgot how batshit crazy this guy is. Season starts, and everyone's like, what the hell's going on? I told you, bro. It didn't even take five games for Doc Rivers to be a crazy person. So now with, with the team playing like they're playing with these backups and beating a couple bad teams, everyone's acting like it's all... Bro, it's going to be terrible again very soon. Just wait. It's, there's no chance of this not being horrible. It's just on a little bit of a delay right now. Yeah. Yep. I mean, sorry to remind team everyone team. of 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 those things, but you know, Doc Rivers is has been swimming on 
ice that should have been broken by now. I mean, that's a weird thing to say. I don't know. That felt weird coming out. Basically, what I'm saying here, (laughs) sir, is that he should have been fired after the Hawk series. And that I think I hate him more than anyone that's ever been outside of Ben Simmons in the city of Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) I just wish at least Ben let, you know, Tyrese Maxey eat when he left. Doc is just the, he's just an idiot. He's just the biggest idiot ever. He's just a big dummy idiot face. (laughs) So we got, we get ran out of the building by the Cavs who are a young athletic team with a lot of, a lot of combo guards, a lot of, you know, movement on defense. Um, would you expect the same thing to happen tomorrow against the Memphis Grizzlies? Because that again, young team, a lot of combo guards, a lot of perimeter defenders, a lot of scorers, man. Like Desmond Bain's a dog. Uh Dylan Brooks can be a dog at times. Um, obviously John Morant. Like, do you see <laughs> the Sixers without without Harden and Maxi standing a chance tomorrow night against the Memphis Grizzlies? Sixers win by seven. By seven? Why do you say that? I just think it's going to be an Embiid game. Yeah, that's the only way. That's that's why when, when Embiid had that sixty point quadruple double, you know, almost. Uh, yeah. my, my take was Embiid saves Doc Rivers again, and people were mad. You always got look. You can't just appreciate a great game. You got to always go back to Doc. That's exactly what happened. Doc did things in that game to try to lose, and Embiid was like, "We're not doing that." So yeah, yeah like, no, nah, I'm going to score 26 of our 27 points in the fourth <laughs> quarter. No, yeah, I th- I just think it's going to be an Embiid game. But isn't that so crazy that like as much as we were like, oh, this team sucks, this team's the worst, and then you ask me if they're going to beat a team that I should have like I tried comparing them to earlier because they just I wish they were more like this team, and I'm like, nah, we'll win because it's just it's Embiid. Like Embiid will just do Embiid things. Like that's what makes this so like this hurts so much because we have every piece we could possibly need for the most part. We just don't have any cohesion or an NBA head coach. That's true. Well, as the world turns, um, we will see what happens tomorrow. We will see what happens Monday when James Harden returns. At least there's some storylines coming up. I've been bored recently with with what's going on with this team. At least there's some storylines coming up. So that's exciting for me as a content creator. Um, Kind of the NBA. I feel like the NBA has been kind of boring lately. Yeah, I think it has. Yeah, yeah, I think it has. I think it has. Nice shade. You get those in uh, you get those at American Eagle. I have a pair. No, I got them at Sheehan. Oh, uh, were they expensive? I would never. I would never pay. They're like three fifty, like three dollars <laughs> and fifty cents. Oh, that's better than mine, man. I think I paid fifteen bucks for mine. I got ripped off. <laughs> Damn, dude, fifteen <laughs> bucks for some shades. Fuck. <laughs> you got to hit up on Sheehan. All right, it's been it's been fun chopping it up with you, Greg. Man, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, maybe um, if I'm not doing anything tomorrow night, I'll hop on like a little post game. Yeah, let me know, game, man. Let me know post game live, post game live yeah. call in show. That'd be fun. All right, man. Yeah, dude, always a pleasure. Hey, thank everyone for tuning in, man. Hit the like button. Uh, harass Greg on Twitter to be more active in the Sixers. Yeah, please make give me some motivation to to <laughs> stay alive during this Sixers season. Um, also, guys, dude, if you're ever out in New York City, come out and watch uh, some of my stand up shows. I'm I'm hosting shows all across the city. So yeah, for the 191 people that are in here that don't know that Greg is a stand up comedian in New York City, the, the the city of brotherly love. Not really, not That's actually at all. But yeah, no, come out and uh, you can heckle me about the Sixers if you ever are in town. I need to make that happen. Yeah. Actually, I need to make that. Happen. To, dude, you got to come out. Our shows are sweet. I need to make that. But happen. Uh, we'll do that. Yeah, for we'll sure. do that. We'll do that. Yeah. What, are, what are they? Are they during the week? Or, all over the, all the time. I mean, the show that I host, like my own personal show, um, is Sunday nights. Oh, that's that's very possible for me. Actually, all right, I'll talk to you about it. Hey, yeah, thanks everyone for, sure. for tuning in, man. Quit Test me, test me, test me, test me.